3: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people
4: today.
5: The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised.
4: Christine Smith and her daughter, Brookie Lee West, always seemed like a quirky, delightful pair. She and her
3: mother lived in a nice home, in a nice neighborhood. Everything was normal and going
4: really well. While their true history is quirky, it is anything but delightful.
2: Christine goes to this meeting and walks in and shoots him squarely in the chest
4: decades of dysfunction have made these two women a danger to themselves and others. He's got a huge hole in his neck, blood shooting everywhere. And a gruesome discovery will soon reveal the deadly depths of this family's
6: dysfunction.
2: I would say that these two women were addicted to each other.
6: I believe Brookie got away with murder.
2: You look in those eyes, it's hard not to see evil.
5: I have reasons and I they're very logical
4: reasons. The bright lights and free-flowing money of Las Vegas attract people of all kinds to the city of sin.
7: Las Vegas is a great American city. The lights, the
1: glamour, sometimes the ability to to start a new life is very compelling in Vegas. It's good for that sort of thing. It's a good place to start over
7: but there's also a side of the city that draws people who are, for lack of a better term, unsavory characters. In this town, with
4: plenty of sun and sin, what happens in Vegas usually stays
7: in Vegas, but not always. At a storage facility called Canyon Gate Mini Storage on West Sahara Avenue, a manager of the facility noticed a very strange smell in the air. The manager had received
8: numerous complaints about a smell emanating from somewhere at the facility. He did some investigating himself, and he narrowed it down to a specific storage
6: unit.
7: They tried to call the owner, and they couldn't contact that individual.
6: Finally, he had to take matters into his own hands. And the moment he opened it up, He was hit by a disgusting, awful
7: smell. They thought it could be an animal. They thought it also could be some kind of drug manufacturing facility, so they called the police. Could be drug-related,
3: some sort of crime activity. Maybe it's even just a dead animal. I don't know.
8: Investigators quickly arrive on the scene. As we got off the elevator, I told my partner that it was the unmistakable smell of death. And we proceeded to the storage unit in question, which was unit U317.
6: And what they found inside the storage unit was a sealed 65 gallon trash can. It had been wrapped with cellophane wrapping and duct tape. There was a type of biological material that was oozing
7: out from the bottom. It was clear to the investigators that someone had wrapped it in a way that was intentional to either keep people out or keep whatever was inside inside. Once those wrappings and coverings were
8: removed, I lifted the lid of the can and inside I could see the outline of a person's head part of an upper back and some of an arm. I could tell that there was the form of a human being.
4: Investigators surmise the body has been there for at least two years. They then look for other clues that may be in the unit.
8: Myself and two of the homicide detectives searched through the entire storage unit and all of the contents in the storage unit. Inside some of the boxes, I found books in there dealing with things such as witchcraft, Satanism, black magic, things of that nature.
4: The book suggests numerous possibilities for the newly discovered body,
8: each one darker than the next. It's possible that it was a ritualistic killing. It's possible that it was a sacrificial killing, but we were not able to discern that.
6: The body is transferred to the medical examiner. With the dental records, a positive identification was made. The person in this garbage can who had liquefied into a cube was Christine Smith.
3: Christine Smith was a 65-year-old woman who had been living in a low-income apartment complex here in Vegas, and their neighbors hadn't seen her in a couple of years. It's a suspicious death,
4: but there's little evidence to suggest a murder.
8: The autopsy examination failed to reveal the cause and manner of death, meaning that we did not know how she actually died. In time, the story of what really happened to Christine
4: Smith will be discovered and it will prove to be far stranger and more disturbing than anyone could ever have imagined. Christine Smith never had it easy. Born during the Great Depression, she quickly learned she had to fight just to survive.
7: The word that was used to describe her to me was feisty, tough, and had an attitude and just basically larger-than-life individual. She dropped out of school when she was 13 years old and quickly got into a bad marriage with an abusive husband and divorced him. She soon met a boy named Leroy
4: Smith, an 18-year-old army soldier stationed in El Paso.
3: He had a troubled childhood as well. I believe he had seen his father kill his mother. So in that regard, the two had a lot in common. Neither of them were very educated, but they both had sort of grandiose personalities that seemed to spark sort of excitement uh, between each other.
4: It wasn't long before Christine and Leroy
7: were married, and it was rocky from the start. It was actually a very dysfunctional environment. Leroy and Christine were drinking a lot, and they were kind of living a life where they went from hotel to hotel and were partying all the time. They both kind of lived their lives on the dark side, and so it made for an explosive chemistry to the relationship. Before
4: long, Christine was pregnant, and a new chapter of their family history would begin. In
7: 1953, Christine and Leroy had their first child, Brookie. Three years later, they had their second child, Travis. But parenthood didn't
4: much change Christine and Leroy.
3: They kept drinking and doing drugs. Sometimes leaving the kids at home for hours alone.
2: They would be gone for long periods of time, and Brookie would be left alone. And I can only imagine the sense of abandonment and isolation that took over at a young age.
3: Their normal becomes instability. They want instability because that's what they know.
4: A wash in drugs, drink, and infidelity, it wasn't long before the couple split up.
2: You're not a dad. you never A bad situation gets worse.
6: Let's go, come on, I'm your father, let's move.
2: When Leroy takes up with a cocktail waitress, takes the kids with him. Christine takes up with a married man and is having an affair.
4: And like all volatile relationships, this one would end with a bang. After a few torrid months together, Christine and her married lover, David Gilmore,
7: decided to part ways. Christine's lover went back to his wife but decided that he and his wife would meet with Christine to just kind of smooth things out and put an end to this whole thing once and for all. So they all agreed to meet in a bar and the couple went there to talk things out. Christine Smith was not planning on burying the hatchet. In fact, she was
6: already planning revenge because when she was ready for this meeting, she also brought along a shotgun and that shotgun was loaded.
2: Christine goes to this meeting and walks in and shoots him squarely in the chest.
7: This was the type of life this family lived. If you have a dispute, then you solve it with violence and intimidation. That was the family motto, basically.
4: Somehow he survived the shotgun blast and Christine was sent to prison in California attempted murder
3: when Christine went to jail uh, Brookie was eight years old and uh, her father told her to tell her brother Travis that her mom had died because he couldn't figure out a better way to explain what had happened to their mother and uh, by all accounts it was pretty traumatic for Brookie
4: meanwhile Brookie and Travis continued to live a transient life with their father in California
3: As a single parent, Leroy still didn't manage to straighten up. He took his kids from hotel to hotel.
5: Can you
7: read us a bedtime story?
6: No, I don't want to read you a damn story. Shut up, all right?
3: Kept drinking, doing drugs, and there were reports that other motel guests would often see the children who would come up to them and ask for food because they hadn't been fed yet
2: after dragging his kids all over the place, Leroy just decides he's had enough of fatherhood. So he takes his two kids, Brookie and Travis, and turns them into this orphanage and says, see ya.
4: It turns out the orphanage was the best thing to ever happen to Brookie and
2: Travis. They were fed, they were cared for, they were looked after, they were loved. It ended up being the best time in their young lives because they finally had something they never had with their dad, and that was stability. All of a sudden, they had a childhood.
7: But the siblings' time in the sun would be short-lived. Christine was released from prison several years early.
2: All of a sudden, Leroy and Christine are back together, and they roll up to get their children
7: Leroy and Christine arrived at the orphanage, and within a few minutes, Brookie and Travis were out the door. We have to go, come on. No, I'm not
2: going. This is not a choice, we need to go. We are a family now. Just imagine all of that normalcy and stability just being ripped right out from under you, and that's exactly what happened to Brookie and Travis.
4: Newly reunited, the Smith family moved from Bakersfield to San Jose. But
7: trouble will follow this strange family wherever they go. She went down into the basement of their home and saw a group of people standing around in costumes, having some kind of ceremony. Family dysfunction will reach a whole new level.
3: She opens the door and she's shot squarely in the chest with a 22 caliber bullet.
9: Planning for your next trip?
3: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today.
5: Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey. No one else's journey. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
4: Brookie Lee West has grown up with destructive and irresponsible parents.
2: And they would be gone for long periods of time because of drinking and drugs.
4: Her mother, Christine, has even done time for attempted murder.
3: Her father told her to tell her brother, Travis, that her mom had died because he couldn't figure out a better way to explain what
4: had happened to their mother. The family is now reunited, and chaos will follow. The Smith family has moved to Northern California, and the 1960s are in full swing.
2: They end up moving into a neighborhood in San Jose, California, and it just so happens that one of their neighbors is worshiping Satan.
7: In the 1960s, the Satanism movement was just really taking hold in California. In general, Satanists worship the devil, and they worship evil. Some people have ritualistic ceremonies. Some people pray to Satan, and they take strength from the fact that there's great wickedness in the world and pay tribute to that and draw power from it.
2: Leroy was heavily influenced by this neighbor and ended up getting really into it and doing bizarre things.
3: For Leroy to be involved in Satanism might be a natural progression. Him being involved in drugs and drinking guns, it just seemed like something way out there that he would just gravitate toward
4: young Brookie caught several glimpses of this frightening religion.
7: She went down into the basement of their home and saw a group of people standing around in costumes, and odd dress, and they were having some kind of ceremony. And it frightened her. That's a very
6: particular difficult time in a young child's life. They start soaking up a lot, and they start developing their own beliefs and their own thoughts. These are not virtues that you would normally see. These are virtues of revenge, hate, anger. And that's what she grew up living. And she was soaking this up as a result of her father. But Brookie wouldn't stay under her father's wing for long. Now a
4: young teenager, Brookie enrolls at Santa Clara High School in San Jose.
2: When Brookie was in high school in Santa Clara, California, by all accounts, she was a normal kid. You look at her, she happened to be very bright, did well in school.
7: She danced, she was in ballet, she was smart, and she had bright hopes for the future. But when it comes to parents
4: Leroy and Christine, old habits die hard.
3: Leroy and Christina both continued with drugs and alcohol. He had affairs again and so they finally split. After they broke up, Christine got custody and she went the opposite direction.
2: Christine ended up going to another extreme and that was finding God and she became a devout Christian.
7: So it was a very significant divide for Brookie. With one parent worshiping Satan
4: and the other following Christ, Brookie soon decides that the best thing to do is to get out.
3: After uh, Brookie graduated from high school, she joined the army, wanted to be, get involved with military intelligence. But she'd found that the military life just wasn't for her, so she went back home and was living with her mom. And while attending church with her mom, Brookie met a man named Ron. They fell in love fairly quickly. Soon after that, they had a child, but Ron didn't want to have anything to do with the kid.
7: Brookie was overwhelmed with the caring of her daughter and being a single mom. Brookie decides that adoption is the best option for her
9: daughter. I haven't slept in days. I... So, we have to put the baby up for adoption. I can't I can't do this. No, you no, have no, to sign no, these no. Papers. no. No, 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 no. But Absolutely.
4: Ron refuses to give consent.
3: We are not putting our kid for adoption.
7: Brookie was outraged, and so was her father. And so we have a period of months where these two parties are going back and forth and they're fighting and arguing over the fate of this little girl.
6: Don't believe in adoption. I'm not signing that no, ever.
7: To find a solution
4: to this problem, the family turns to familiar methods.
3: One day, Ron's grandmother, who's 86, answers a knock on the door. She opens the door and she's shot squarely in the chest with a 22 caliber bullet by a man wearing a hood. They don't know who the man is, he took off running.
7: Remarkably, she survived, but within a few days of this event happening, Ron received a threatening letter and there were pentagrams drawn into the letter. It was a very creepy, frightening piece of correspondence and it basically said, you're gonna do it our way. And it quoted satanic verse.
3: There's no doubt in his mind who shot his grandmother, who sent the letters. He thought it was Leroy.
7: What you see here is that when Brookie got into a bind, she would always turn to her dad.
2: This is his way to help her. It is the most anti-parental thing that you can do, but in his twisted mind, his way to help his daughter is through a violent act.
4: Out of fear, Ron relents, and the little girl is adopted neither Leroy nor Brookie is ever implicated in the shooting.
7: In many ways, they're very much alike. I think Brookie really learned her life skills largely from her father. As time goes
4: on, Brookie and her mother continue living together, but life isn't easy for these two women.
2: Now we have mother and daughter living together, but they don't have any real way to make ends meet.
4: With little education between them, money is tight, so Brookie and Christine must find a way to pay the bills.
2: They both do what has been a common theme in both of their lives, and that is take from others.
3: In sort of this very twisted, bizarre Thelma and Louise moment, she and her mom go on a shoplifting spree. You
7: know, they would go out as a pair in Target stores, go try on clothes, go into the dressing room, Stuff clothes into their pants or underneath their shirts and into their bags. It isn't long before Brookie and her mother get arrested for
4: shoplifting, spend 30 days in jail, and are given two years probation. In the wake of her incarceration, Brookie decides to make a change.
2: So once Brookie is out of the detention center, she actually does look for gainful employment and gets hired at a tech company Despite
4: her newfound professional life, Brookie's personal life sees
7: little change. Christine was controlling her daughter's life and injecting herself into Brookie's personal matters. But you
2: know what? I live the life. I don't follow rules. I do it my way. I go out there and I live life.
7: There is a certain level of dependence that Brookie had on her mother. It's more a dependence on the dysfunction. It's a life of chaos. And that was the life that Brookie knew.
2: There were so many reasons that you would want to run from a woman like Christine, yet Brookie felt drawn to her. I believe that Brookie felt like she needed her mom, that she needed her mom to survive.
4: As the years pass, mother and daughter continue to live together, and Brookie hits her stride in California's booming tech industry. As
3: a technical writer, she started making big bucks at the time, making over 100 an hour. And she started to do things for herself. She bought a Jaguar. She and her mother uh, lived in a nice home, in a nice neighborhood. She was climbing the ladder and, from the outside, looked as everything was normal and going really well.
7: But a nice facade can't hide everything. You know, it was a beautiful house. But people who went to visit the house found very strange circumstances inside. It was almost completely barren of furniture. It would be
3: easy to see the house as a metaphor for their life. From the outside, when people visited, it was very nice. But on the inside of the house and on, on their insides, it was chaos, dysfunction.
7: They argued constantly, they fought constantly. Brooke talked to her mother in an abusive way. I would
3: say that these two women were addicted to each other. They were addicted to the way they treated each other.
2: They just didn't know how to be functional. Christine had been an alcoholic ever since she was a teenager. And now that she found God and had become a devout Christian, she was trying to get her life, so to speak, back on track by going to AE meetings.
7: One thing that you need to understand about Christine and Brooke is that they claim to have Native American heritage. Christine got to the point where she actually represented that she was half
2: Indian. So they ended up going to these AA meetings at an Indian reservation in California. I've been drinking a good part of my life. Both the mother and the daughter had a way of trolling for men in kind of bizarre situations.
7: And there was a Native American man there by the name of Howard Simon St. John. And Brookie started dating him. I do think she picked Howard because Howard was a simple man. Howard would not
6: be questioning a lot of the choices or things that Brookie did in her own lifestyle. Brookie and Howard get married only weeks after
4: meeting, much to Christine's dismay.
3: Christine didn't like it. It was jealousy or somebody getting in the way of their relationship, but she made it very well known that she didn't like Howard.
7: Christine wanted Brookie to get rid of Howard But instead, Brookie got rid of Christine, and she bought a van, moved her mother into the van, and then drove it down to the public park and forced her mother to live out of a van. As Brookie lives it up with her new husband,
4: Christine is homeless and living on the streets.
3: As strange as that move seems, it seemed like she was finally breaking this pattern of codependency with her mom, doing something on her own, getting out of that old pattern. But she actually seemed to develop the same kind of relationship with Howard.
7: Brookie had indicated to some people that she was behind on the payments of the Jaguar and wanted to get rid of this car. Within a few weeks of those statements, the car was found in a rural area, and it had basically been deliberately set on fire.
3: Nobody knew how it happened. There was supposition that maybe she did it, but the insurance company still paid them $19,000 to cover the damage. And then a short time later, Howard pulled up to the house in a brand new Corvette.
2: Howard starts telling people that the Corvette was a thank you gift from his wife for torching the Jaguar.
4: It seems that Brookie and Howard are a good match, but their symbiosis would be
7: short-lived. One night, the police found Howard walking down the street. He's holding his neck, he's got a huge hole in his neck, blood sh- shooting everywhere, and he told them that my wife just shot me. And so they responded to the house and interviewed Brooke. And Brookey told the police that Howard attacked me and I shot him in self-defense. Police arrest
4: Brookey for attempted murder. It doesn't look good. But Brookie knows there's someone she can always turn to in times of trouble.
2: Brookie has found herself behind bars. She's facing this attempted murder charge for shooting her husband in the neck. And who does she look to to get her out of jail? Her father, Leroy.
7: Leroy and Brookie had a very strong relationship throughout their lives. Leroy was the caretaker for Brookie Leroy was a place of strength for Brookie, and they were very tight.
4: Meanwhile, Howard St. John might be down, but he's not out.
7: Howard decided that he was gonna tell the police and the insurance investigators on Brookie's Jaguar that this fire was no accident. She wanted me to do it for insurance purposes. But Brookie's hold on Howard proved stronger than his sense of revenge. Howard got out of the hospital a couple days later and he moved back in with Brookie. And within a couple of days after that, Howard recanted everything to the authorities. We have a good life together, baby,
3: stop with that. I don't know how she did it, but she got him to back off those claims.
2: All right, all right. Give me the phone if
3: you. And tell the insurance company that he was lying.
2: Apparently, I was under sedation and did not realize what I was
8: saying. Yeah.
7: The whole episode with Howard is an example, yet again, of Brookie solving problems by bullying, manipulating, lying, deceiving to get her way. Even after she shot him in the neck, she pulled him back in. But poor Howard's fate was sealed the day he said, I do. About two weeks after Howard and Brookie reuniting, a call came into law enforcement in Central California in the Sequoia National Forest. A hiker out there had observed a body down an embankment on the side of a hill, and the authorities came and investigated. The man had been shot to death, and there was a bag partially covering his face.
3: An autopsy showed he still had a thirty-two caliber bullet in his neck as well as a thirty-eight caliber bullet in his back.
7: An investigation determined that it was in fact Howard Simon St. John. It is a suspicious murder and there's one person authorities know
4: they must question.
2: Brookie is obviously suspect number one and it just seemed like she had everything perfectly together and an explanation for everything.
7: Brookie explained that Howard was on a bender, that he had taken $3,000 cash from her house and had told her that he was going to Reno with some friends. Plus, she seems to have a believable alibi.
2: She had all of these detailed receipts, and it was almost a little too perfect. We went
5: to dinner. Here's a movie stub. I went to, yeah, they're all there.
2: Her explanation for where she was every moment while he was missing.
4: And there's someone familiar already back at her side.
3: As police are investigating Howard's murder, they show up at Brookie's house, and lo and behold, her mother's there. Howard's out,
4: Christine's back in. Though Brookie's alibi appears suspicious, it's enough to avoid prosecution.
7: When the police took it to the county district attorney and made their case, the county district attorney said, you do not have enough evidence to prosecute her. So she was basically let go, free and clear, and no charges were ever filed.
6: I believe Brookie got away with murder. It is no doubt in my mind that Brookie played a role in the death of her husband, Howard St. John.
2: After Brookie's dad, Leroy, dies, she and her mom decide to get a fresh start. She's getting some gigs in Las Vegas, so she gets a small, low-income apartment.
6: Brookie would then travel between Las Vegas and the uh, Silicon Valley area Uh, back and forth significantly. Brookie didn't have her own place in Las Vegas. She would stay, for the most part, with her mom. Curious neighbors soon take note of the new arrivals.
3: People in Las Vegas like other people who are characters. Like, the city is known for its oddballs or its characters. And Christine seemed that way to the people in the neighborhood.
2: I shot a guy. Mom, Mom, please.
4: Despite their new surroundings, Brookie and Christine haven't changed a bit.
3: They went back to their old patterns. They're fighting with each other. They essentially have this love-hate relationship. In fact, that's how Brookie describes it to her colleagues at work, that she has this love-hate relationship with her mom, and maybe it's time she should put her in a nursing home.
4: No one in Vegas or
7: California has seen Brookie and Christine together for months. Christine's friends started to wonder where Christine went, and so they asked Brookie what had happened to Christine. This was alarming to Christine's friends because they had known Travis to be a homeless street person who was either in prison or a mental institution.
3: Also, the odd thing to neighbors is that when they come in the house, they notice some of Christine's prized possessions, a scarf, an opal ring, and her portrait of Jesus. And they also notice things in the dumpster outside that had belonged to Christine.
7: Brookie actually told Christine's friends that Oh, I talk to her on a regular basis. She's still a pain in the you-know-what. She calls me a lot, but she's fine. And she's with my brother.
4: And life really is better for Brookie, right up until the day when the lock is clipped off storage unit number 317. The storage unit is leased in Brookie's name, so police go looking for her
7: to get answers. Shortly after the body was discovered, Brookie disappeared, basically went off the radar screen. Couldn't find her. The police learned that Brookie had
6: rented an apartment not too far from the storage unit. And so the police executed a search warrant on the residents. Uh, they opened up the door. And discovered that there was nobody in there. They did find, however, a key that belonged to the lock for the storage unit. Uh, but Brookie was nowhere to be found. A further search of the apartment uncovers a
4: possible
8: motive for Christine's death. We learned that there were Department of Treasury checks deposited to Christine Smith's account. So Christine Smith was dead, and there were social security checks being deposited into her account.
2: Even though no one had seen Christine, the social security checks kept flowing and they were being deposited into account that Brookie had access to.
8: That led us to believe that money may have been a motive in this particular homicide. The story of what
4: happened to Christine Smith can only be told by her daughter Brookie, but she's nowhere to be found.
3: Three days later, it turns out that Brookie returned to the apartment and noticed a search warrant in the house and a homicide detective's card at the front door.
7: Instead of contacting the authorities, she ignored them, never called them, made no contact with them.
6: One of the neighbors saw Brookie come home, and within minutes was walking out hurriedly, getting into her car, and left. Homicide detective had put out a all-troops alert. So uh, the Las Vegas Venture Province Police Department were looking for. Brookie.
2: She took off to a nearby convenience store where a police officer spotted her and she was arrested in short order.
4: When the grisly news hits the airwaves, police begin to connect
7: the dots. There were similarities between the crime scene where Howard Simon St. John was found and where Christine Smith was found. Both involved plastic bags over the face. When they ask Brookie about Christine's death,
4: they get an unexpected admission.
3: She said, yeah, I put her in that barrel. I put a plastic bag over her face, but I didn't kill her.
2: The most stunning interview I have ever done is when I sat down with Brookie West. She walks in, sits down, and tells her story. She was driving her mom to go live with her brother Travis in California. And during that road trip, her mom dies from natural causes in the car. She says she panicked and she didn't know what to do. And so that's why she decided to put her mom in the storage facility here in Las Vegas and not notify authorities.
5: He says, we're charging you with murder because there was a plastic bag over your mom's head
7: she doesn't like law enforcement and she doesn't trust them and that based on her prior contacts with authorities that they would immediately suspect that she had something to do with this and so she figured that this was just an easier solution.
0: If I had really intentions of you know getting rid of her or something I mean I could have done that. At most I'm guilty of not reporting my mother's death.
7: It shows a disregard for the sanctity of her mom's life and it shows a cruelty and you know, almost like her mom was a piece of trash, you know, that she was throwing out a piece of trash and that her mother was garbage to her.
5: I didn't report her death. I have reasons and I,
0: they're very logical reasons and,
2: you know, she wasn't murdered. Cold, callous, calculating, captivating, charming, cunning, conniving. You look in those eyes, it's hard not to see evil.
4: Despite the admission, police aren't buying her story, and Brookie is officially charged with her mother's murder. It doesn't look good for Brookie, but her defense team feels they have a compelling case.
3: Nobody could tell how Christine had died. Without any evidence saying how she had died, or even that it was a homicide, how could they call Brookie a murderer?
1: Sherlock Holmes says, take everything on evidence, nothing on the face, there is no better rule. And there's no evidence to say that this was murder. Murder. We thought it was in our best interest to get to trial as quickly as possible. So we invoked a right to speedy trial. The murder case goes to court in just
4: four months, and it's an instant media sensation.
3: When this case hit the newspapers and was on TV, the fact that uh, satanic books or books on the occult were found in the same storage locker uh, drew a media
4: circus. When the trial gets started during the hot Las Vegas summer... There appears to be no direct evidence to convict Brookie. But everything changes when a forensic entomologist takes the stand for the prosecution.
8: What a forensic entomologist does is he uses the insect species to help establish when a person was killed or when they died. Normally, the first insect to a light, to a body, is a blowfly. That tiny little blowfly can smell death over a mile away.
6: They are the first insects that that fly onto a uh, dead body, and they, they hone in. The moment they smell death of flesh, they fly on it, sometimes within seconds of a body dying. But there are no blowflies on Christine's body. The fact that there were no blowflies on Christine's body and inside the garbage can indicated that Christine Smith was placed into that garbage can rather quickly, even perhaps before she even died.
2: That indicated premeditated murder.
6: She planned this. She made sure that she had the garbage can, the cellophane wrapping, and the duct tape ready, and she uh, plan to get rid of mom that never made
1: a lot of sense to me i don't think it was a definitive i mean it was interesting uh, it meant that you know her body hadn't sat around the house for days but i don't know that much more than that it takes
4: only two hours for the jury to deliberate and on july nineteenth, two 2001 brookie is found guilty of murder and
1: sentenced to life without parole i had hoped that the courts would see that We don't know the cause or manner of Christine's death, and it's not enough to say that it's homicide. But the courts didn't agree with me. To this day, I, I don't know for certain that Brookie killed her mother. It's a
4: fitting end to the long, strange tale of Brookie Lee West and her mother,
6: Christine. I think she was programmed from the moment she was born to live the way that she had been taught and how she saw and what she soaked up from her her parents.
2: Neglect and abandonment and isolation. It's strange you would think someone who's responsible for that, your mother, that you would want to get as far away from that person as possible. But I just don't think Brookie knew any different.
3: I think it's typical of codependency where the relationship's poisonous to each person. They know no better and this is their life.
1: Most families don't have a uh, matriarch who has been in prison for attempted murder, a father who was a Satanist. What well, we say that the burial in a trash can is certainly odd or strange. If somebody's going to do
6: it, you would expect it might be somebody with Brookie's background. Brookie, at the end of the day, grew up and was no different than Christine Smith.
7: When you look at it over 30 or 40 years, It's all in the family.
5: After the trial, Travis was located in a mental institution in California. He could neither confirm nor deny Brookie's story. In 2012, Brookie attempted to escape from prison. She has since been relocated to a different facility. To this day, Howard St. John's murder remains officially unsolved.